business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 37 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I am going to talk about Francisco Lindor's record-setting new contract with the New York Metropolitans, and I will speak about the beginning of the Yankees season. This is being recorded on 12.21 a.m. Sunday morning. So we are two games into the Yankees season, but before I get to them, um, I, w- I will touch on Francisco Lindor's contract. He signed a 10-year, $341 million contract this past week with the Mets, and I mean, I, I'm very happy for him, I, lo- I, I love Lind- I love Lindor's game, like, he seems like a cool dude and all of that, and I'm happy that he got paid, right? Um, do I think it was the smartest thing for the Mets to do? Eh, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm not going to begrudge a team for paying a, a superstar who deserves it, and that's what Lindor is, he's a star player in smack dab in the middle of his prime, he's what, 26, 27, whatever he is. And I'm not going to sit here and criticize the team for paying that guy to keep him around. Because ultimately, look, you're not paying for the back end of the contract. You're paying for the peak years. And you just got to hope that, one, the peak years last long enough. And two, that the back end is not too ugly. Like, think of the CC Sabathia contract, for example. Like, obviously... Not on the same scale as Lindor, but it was a pretty significant deal at that time because he signed in 2009. And he ended up spending, what, 10 years with the Yankees? Call it 10, right. And he he signed a second deal after his first deal expired. CeCe's deal, you paid, like, you essentially paid for the first four years. He was good, and then he kind of became the the soft-tosser guy after that. So you... But ultimately, he brought the Yankees a championship, and he was uh, he was an incredible leader for that team over the course of that decade that he spent here. So you look at that contract, and you're like, I think I got I think I got what I paid for, even if it wasn't great, even even if just the individual performance itself wasn't great for ten years. You paid a 28 year old pitcher at that time for seven years. You kind of expect some decline, like realistically, like Garrett Cole is probably going to go through the same thing at some point soon. Well, I shouldn't say soon, but you know what I mean. He's 29, and he got he got a nine-year, $324 million contract. Like, he, he's going to hit a decline maybe at age, like, 34 or so. But not to get too far from Lindor, they, they paid him for his next five, six years. If you get more good years out of that than that, you count your lucky stars and you move on. Like, do I think, in a vacuum, do I think, um, based on what I know about baseball and based on what I know salary, the salary structure is and how people are with um, and how teams are with you know how they pay and, all, and how they pay players and all that I think he, he should have gotten $340 million probably not but ultimately he deserved a significant raise and he's a great player so who cares I will say this though there were Met, I saw plenty of Met fans like during the negotiations, during the very public um, nature of the negotiations, which I thought Steve Cohen tweeting about it was very fucking weird. But that's another. That's a topic that I don't really care to dive into too much. 
during that, you had Mets fans like, you know, if you didn't re-sign him, then the offseason was a failure or the trade was a failure. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Mostly because they didn't trade much for him. And they got Carrasco, and they also got Carlos Carrasco out of it. Like, if you ended up trading Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez for a year of Lindor and Carrasco, to me, that was worth it by itself. Now you got however many years out of Lindor. That's cool. That's great. And, I, I mean, I'm sorry, and, and, and Carrasco's under contract for another, for another three years, I believe. So you, you, if you would ended up making that trade for one year of Francisco and three years of Carrasco, I think that was worth it by itself. I don't think you needed to extend Lindor to make that trade worth it. If you're if you're trying to win and you're trying to compete for a championship with the Mets, which the Mets are trying to do, then a year of Lindor is definitely worth more than a than however many years of Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. But that's coming from a guy who doesn't think either one of those players is special. They're cool. I'm not knocking them. They're cool. Like they they are everyday regulars, and that, that's cool. There's a value in that. Not shitting on those players. They ain't Francisco Lindor. I don't care if it's a year of Lindor, a half a year of Lindor. I don't care. They're not Francisco Lindor. So I don't think they needed to extend Francisco Lindor to make that trade worth it. But as somebody who just likes to see dope baseball players in New York, regardless of who they play for, yes, obviously I'd rather they play for the Yankees. Duh. But <laughs> as somebody who just likes seeing dope baseball players here, I'm, I'm happy that Lindor is going to be here for, for the foreseeable future. And hopefully he doesn't... Uh, Hopefully he doesn't go the route of Roberto Alomar and magically forget how to play baseball because that would be depressing. Because I was mad excited when Roberto, when Roberto Alomar got traded to the Mets because you got to see him more and then he stunk. And it was like, oh, that's, this is not fun. He's supposed to be good. What, what, what happened here? But ultimately he stunk. I don't think Lindor is going to go through that. He's too good for that. He's too young for that. And I think he will be fine and I think the Mets will be fine. And ultimately, like, everybody got what they wanted here. The Mets got to keep him the Mets had to the, uh, the Mets got to keep him long term Lindor got his fucking bread and the, and the Mets fans are happy so everybody's happy good I'm, I'm happy that everybody's happy happiness rules right but uh, okay but on to actual games and I will talk about the Yankees uh, so they are one and one they lost um, the first game of the season uh, the first game of the season 3-2 in extra innings and they won yesterday five to three. In they won yesterday five to three. Um, uh, first of all, release the Kraken. I would like to say that uh, Gary Gary Sanchez off to a great start. Two home runs in two games. His swing looks good. I don't believe he has struck out yet, or he might have struck out once. I'm I'm not. I I, I don't remember, but. Um, either way, like the plate discipline has looked good. Like, he he's not swinging at a whole bunch of fucking nonsense. Like his balance looks good. Like um, on Twitter, there's been a running thing about his stride, as far as his timing goes, and the stride looks good. Everything looks good right now with Gary. Ultimately, I love Gary. I'm very biased. I'm not not gonna lie to. Not gonna sit here and lie to you. I love him. My favorite player on the team. Very biased, but. The thing with him is, I think, obviously, you have the whole lazy stuff that I'm really not going to, I'm not even in the mood to dive into that, so I won't, but I think Gary is kind of, when it comes to public perception within the fan base and and outside of it to a degree, I think Gary is kind of a victim of his own success. 
because in 2016, Gary was the baddest motherfucker on the planet for two months. And ultimately, like, he set the bar so high that him just being what he is, which is a historic power hitting catcher. I don't, you could argue with me if you want, go look the fucking numbers up there right there. Baseball reference is free. Like, Gary Sanchez is a historic power hitting catcher. From a purely catcher perspective, he has generational power. Simple. Like, there, there's, no two, there's no two ways about that shit. They don't make catchers like Gary. Just from a power perspective. I'm not talking about, he has a lot of pass balls. I'm not talking about any of that shit. Like, just a power perspective. He is a very productive offensive catcher, even if you don't like the way he goes about it. Period. He is. Those are the facts. But if he had a normal start to his career, because, again, he was the baddest motherfucker on earth for two months in 2016... And in 2017, he followed up with a very, very good campaign where he was one of the better offensive players in baseball, regardless of position. If that did not happen, I don't think people would be so mad. Yes, I'm aware that Gary was not good in 18, and he wasn't good last year. That is also between the games played in 18 and last year's bullshit bullshit sample. That's like 130 games worth of games, which, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking it away from him. He was bad. I'm not lying. Uh, he was bad, but the fact of the matter is, the last, uh, the last, um, the last full season he played, he was good. You know, he had like a one twenty WRC plus, weighted runs created plus for those who don't know, uh, um, for for those who don't know what that stands for, and he hit thirty four home runs in like one hundred ten games or something like that. He was very good. So I I feel like, and the thing is with Gary, like I would, if he played any other position, I would understand the gripes more, I guess. Because it's it's easier to get that kind of production from other positions. You know what I mean? Like, as much as, like, shortstops, there, there aren't a ton of shortstops here for a ton of power. But you could find them. Like, it's just, it's hard, but you could find them. Bruh, in the history of baseball, there haven't been many, there haven't been many catchers not named Piazza. I mean, shit, it might just be Piazza, who was on Gary's, on Gary's power level as a, as a catcher. It's not that many. Like, he, ha- he has prodigious power. And from that position, it is extremely fucking rare. That's, w- that's precisely why the Yankees have given him a million opportunities. Whether you think he deserves them or not, I think he does. Because as long as he's just, he's not the league's worst defensive catcher, which he is not. If he's just slightly below average on defense and hitting 30 home runs a year, he is a plus. He's a plus. Because he's a catcher doing that shit. But ultimately, he's off to a great start. That's good. The Yankees, for me, are just far more entertaining to watch and consume when Gary is doing well. I don't have to read the bullshit. I mean, you're still going to read the bullshit. But it's way less. It's way quieter when Gary's doing well. And he's fun. And, I mean, Gary... Gary got me back into the Yankees. Like, I didn't give a fuck about the Yankees in 2014 or 15. Didn't really watch many games. Like, I went to a few because, you know, cheap tickets. Went to a few. Didn't really watch them on TV like that. Didn't care. 2016, they called Gary up. And I, I think I remember the first home run he hit was in Boston. And it was a shot. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, you know, I started watching the games, and he was going crazy. And since then, I'm, I've been a fan. Like, that's just, I have an emotional attachment to the man. Either way, it's good to see him produce. I hope it continues. And can we get him some help? Because he's the only one doing anything. 
I'm not jokes aside, it's two games in. I'm not going to make that joke. Seriously, anyway. But good for him. He's off to a good start. Um, Corey Kluber, newcomer. Um, he started today. He went four, he went four and a third, I believe, and he gave up two runs. He also walked four batters, and he gave up and he hit and he hit a batter. I, I thought results wise, he was a little bit fortunate to only give up two runs. He was dancing in and out of trouble the whole game, and he was effective about it. He, he got a bunch of double plays, he got some crit- critical strikeouts. Okay, cool. I'm not not I'm not here to knock Corey Kluber. Do I think he was dominant by any stretch? No. It was also the first meaningful baseball game he pitched since last year, where he only pitched. I want to say it was like three innings, and then he was out for the year. So I'm not gonna I'm not here to kill the man. I like the guy. I would have rather like assuming it's a one or the other kind of deal. I would have rather they re-sign James Paxton because he's younger, he throws harder, and he was cheaper. So I thought that was kind of a misplay on the Yankees' part. And apparently, like, his medicals, I mean, he was throwing 97 in spring training. So I don't I don't know what the medicals told him. I don't know why the Yankees did what they did. Either way, I would have preferred Paxton back, but whatever. That's, that's old news. It's water under the bridge. You know, can't cry over spilled milk or whatever you want it, whatever idiom you want to use. Put it in. Apply it. But Kluber today... I mean, yesterday, excuse me, was okay, I thought. Like, he had good moments, he had bad moments. The command was, the command kind of came and went. Like, at times it was stellar, and then other times it wasn't. Like, the breaking ball would hang a little bit. He threw a few bad breaking balls. Like, he was missing spots by a lot. Ultimately, results-wise, I think he got a little lucky. He had some good, he had some bad. There was nothing about Corey Kluber yesterday that was alarming, which is good. Because it's his first meaningful start in a while. So that's good. That's good news. If you like Corey Kluber and you and you think he has a lot of upside, you should be pretty pleased with what you saw yesterday. If you don't like Corey Kluber for whatever reason and you think it's a risky signing, I don't think there's anything that you saw yesterday that, that confirms whatever you think. Like I think everybody has a reason to just look at it, take a breath, and be like, okay, I'm cool with his performance. So... Good for Kluber. Um, the Yankee staff needs it because, you know, it's cold and a bunch of question marks. Like, Herman, as much as he has his off-the-field stuff going on, he's a solid pitcher. Um, like, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. He's going to do what he do. Severino, we're going to see what he, when he, what he does when he, can't, when he comes back because we know, we know Tommy John recovery and... How that goes when 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 it comes time to return to the mound and all of that. So we'll see how that goes with him. Um, Tyone, I love I, I love the acquisition. I think he's going to be good for the Yankees. I don't know how good, but I think he's going to be good. He was good with the Pirates, and we we know how they develop pitchers. They be on some fucking bullshit. Like it, 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 it it's like Stevie Wonder trying to trying to lead a march of people. Like where are we going? Why are we going in this direction? What are we doing? Like, what? What's the ETA? What's going on here? That that's pirates. That that's the pirates trying to develop a pitcher. Apparently, apparently they've they've overhauled their um their their development team. So it's a little bit different now. Maybe the jokes, maybe the jokes have to subside in a year or two. Okay, cool. Maybe they got to stop. Okay, cool. I, I will make them until then. And ultimately, like Tyone, I think was partially anyway a victim of their development 
their, de their development system. I don't think he was as good as he could have been. And I think the Yankees know that, and that's ex precisely why they went out and they traded for him. So I'm excited to see him pitch. I think the Yankees pitching staff is... I, I like the, what they did with them in the offseason. It's kind of just cold. Like, if you can't go out there, and, and as much as, like, Trevor Bauer... You know, we, we know about his uh, extracurricular activities. Let's call him that. I, I, I would not have wanted them to pay him $40 million anyway. Because, first of all, I think he's a fucking basket case. And second of all, like, you're paying him based on what? Two good years and he's 30? Like, eh. Like, I don't know. The combination of those two things. Okay. If you can't, if you can't pay, pay up for, you know, whatever star pitcher, Max Scherzer... Steven Strasburg, I guess, or whoever the fuck. If you can't pay up for those, like throwing educated darts to me makes a lot of sense. And that's what the Yankees did. Like Corey Kluber used to be good. Okay, cool. We'll throw a dart at him for a year. Jamison Tyone, Jamison Tyone was good before he, he, he needed Tommy John surgery. Let's throw a dart at him. Herman, I think is pretty solid. Okay, cool. Like Montgomery, eh, he's, I, I, he's okay. He's not bad. And then you have Severino when he comes back. It's just, you you basically need three of those guys to be really good if you plan on competing for a championship. And I like the Yankees' odds. I like what they did with their offseason. I really do. So, speaking of Yankee pitchers, Jonathan Loisaga, he looks impressive, man. Like, like, I know, like, last year with him and the year before, his entire career, like, his fastball has always been kind of straight, for me, anyway. And the command the command and control have always been issues with him. If he can just, if he could just be a, let's say, a 55 grade, because by the grading scale, like, 80 is elite, 70 is very good. I mean, 80 is, like, basically top, top notch. 10 out of 10, you know, 100 in, in school. 70s, like, solidly above average, very good or whatever. 60s above average and 50s average. If he could just get his control and command to, like, 50, in the 50 to 55 range, he's going to be very, very valuable as a reliever. And quite frankly, I think they should, I think they should give him a chance to start. Obviously, that's not going to be this year. With, with how crowded their starting rotation is and all of that, like, that's not going to be this year. But I hope down the line they give him a chance to start because his stuff is nasty. Like the fastball, like the fastball has more movement than it ever has at this point. The changeup is disgusting. Look, if he could throw strikes, he's going to be an extremely valuable reliever for the Yankees. He's going to be similar to what Chad Green is, kind of the put the fires out guy. Just bring him in whenever. Like they brought him in today to to, and I think he threw two innings. I mean yesterday, excuse me, and, he, and I think he threw two innings. Like that's an exciting development for the Yankees, especially given that they lost Kane Lee. And, and Britain's out early this year. So that's that's an exciting development for the Yankees. And I hope he keep I hope he keeps it up. He's been very good in, in his first two appearances. Um I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and kill Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is what he is. He is a thirty three year old backup, right? So I, I I'm not gonna kill the man. He he he's just here to do a job for whatever three weeks, a month, however long Luke is out. Um, I'm not really here for his at bats though, and this is again, this is not really killing him. It is what it is. 
I just don't think I'm going to have a lot of fun watching the dude. I, I really don't. And more or less, I'm just here to praise Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is amazing. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. He doesn't get his due credit. All he's done since, since he's put on the Yankees jersey is fucking rake. That's all he does is rake. All he does is fucking rake. That's what you do. So, get well soon. That, that, that's all I got to say about Luke Voigt. Um, why are we booing Giancarlo Stanton? I, this is mostly the first game. I, I, I don't I don't think they booed him today. Um, in the second game, but why are they booing Giancarlo Stanton? Like number one, if you watch that game, Gary Sanchez was the only one who did anything. I'm talking about the opener. Gary Sanchez was the only one who did anything. He scored. He he accounted for all of their runs. You know he he accounted for damn near half their hits at that point. I mean. I don't, why are we booing him? Like, yes, John Carlo was bad. He was 0 for 5. He struck out three times. He, John Carlo has stretches where he looks like he's never touched a baseball bat before. It's so fucking weird with that guy. And I mean, I touched on it with Gary earlier. Like, th- th- that's the floor. Like, they just, like, they look like they've never been in Major League Baseball before. It's weird as hell. But whatever. Stanton has stretches where it looks like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I here? And I mean,. Those can be extremely frustrating because we know what it looks like when he's good and when he's on. But that being said, why the fuck was he being booed? Like, it's the first damn game of the season, number one. Number two, the last time you saw him, he was ripping up the playoffs. And I thought that's all that mattered. That's what Yankee fans tell me. That's all that fucking matters, the playoffs. Until until then, it's time to, uh, to talk about how injury-prone somebody is. Then the regular season matters, but whatever. I was told that the playoffs is all that matters. Giancarlo Stanton ripped up the playoffs. And he came in, and he can't even go three at bats without getting booed? For real? That's pathetic. Why not boo DJ? Why not? DJ stunk in the damn playoffs last year. And 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 the, fir- the first game this year, he grounded out weekly three times. And then, uh, including in the ninth inning with the game on the line, where a fly ball wins the game. Anything but that would have been preferred, basically. Outside of a strikeout. Anything but that would have been preferred. And he grounds out with a runner on third and one out. Like, why not boo him too? Is it, oh, oh, my fault. It's okay because he made contact. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Oops. Why not boo him too? Like, wh- wh- why stop there? Aaron Judge stunk too. Why not boo him? Like, why is why, why is Stanton receiving the brunt of the boos? Why? For what? What did he do? Again, the last time you saw John Carlos Stanton, he was amazing in the playoffs. And the biggest games on the biggest stage, he was amazing. So what are we doing here? Like, help me understand why we are booing Giancarlo Stanton. I really don't fucking understand it. Everybody stunk, except Gary. Everybody, everybody, and except I guess Clint. Clint wasn't bad either. Everybody fucking stunk on opening day, except Gary and Clint. And Giancarlo's the only person getting booed. Why? Yankee fans are so fucking embarrassing, especially when it comes to their treatment of Giancarlo. Like they've been itching, they've been itching to boo him since the minute he fucking got here, and I don't know why. Because Giancarlo doesn't go out, he doesn't bother anybody. You know, he 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 doesn't commit any crimes off the field. He doesn't really talk a lot of shit. He doesn't talk a lot. Period. He goes out there and he plays baseball and he minds his business. Like I, I just don't understand why he's the one being fucking booed. Other players stunk today. Uh, other players stunk on opening day. Excuse me. 
Um, you have you have players uh, with legal issues on the team. They don't get booed, but Stanton's the one who gets booed. It's just mad weird behavior. But I could go on all day long about how much I hate Yankee fans. So I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna come off that topic. Uh, I'll get to Glaber Torres. Look, we're at the point where Glaber Torres, where the defense is a clear issue, right? Like it's a clear issue. Every ball hit the shortstop, whether it's to his left, to his right, right at him, is an adventure. All of them. In yesterday's game, he got a ball hit to him with the bases loaded in, I want to say, the fourth. And he got down on one knee to to, to execute the force play to, to um throw the, the force play to throw to DJ. And I'm just like, oh no, what is he gonna do? Every single play is a problem. All of them. Problems. Look, Glaber's bat, I think, will be good enough for us not to care. Look, I watched Derek Jeter play shortstop for whatever, twenty years. He couldn't he couldn't play the position either. He stunk at it, defensively. Anyway, we were. I I was here for the bat. I can't speak for the amount of liar liar ass Yankee fans who claim he was great defensively. He was not. He was not good defensively. You know why he? You know how I know he wasn't good. He couldn't go to his left and he couldn't go to his right. He had no range. There is a reason that you heard past the diving Jeter about a hundred times a year. There's a reason because the man had no fucking range. And that jump throw that was so cool that, that, that everybody loved, including myself as a kid, there's a reason that a lot of other shortstops got to those plays on the ground and threw people out casually. But either way, uh, Glaber ain't quite Jeter because at least Jeter, when the ball was hit right to him, he could be relied on in those situations. You can't even... A throw to first is adventurous with Glaber Torres at this point. It, it, it's bad. I, I don't know if it's going to get better. I don't see it getting better. I don't think Glaber has the kind of defensive chops or ability for it to get better. I kind of think he is what he is. Can it get to average? Maybe. I don't fucking know. Do I have any interest in watching Glaber play shortstop long term? No. Like the next free agent, and I mean, granted, Francisco Lindor's deal might affect that free agent class and what people are willing to accept and not accept. But Trevor Story. Um, Trevor Story, Javier Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, and Carlos and Corey Seager are all free agents in this next free agent class. There's no reason to not go get one of them. Do like trade Geo if you have to. I, trade Glaber if you have to. If if you get something good enough to make it worth it, trade either one of them if you have to trade either one of them. But him playing short long term to me is just not a sustainable plan. It's not like the range is eh. like the arm. The velocity is cool. Like he has a strong arm, like where the ball is going. Well, any that's anybody's fucking guess. So I, I think they need to move him off short. Now, if you believe Dan Federico, apparently, apparently um, Cashman was willing to offer Glaber and um, Davey Garcia for Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, but then was vetoed because Hank, um, Hal Simmer didn't want to give out that contract. Essentially the contract that the Mets gave out. Hal didn't really want to give out that contract. And it's like, well, I want to understand that. 
because ten year investments are hard to make. I get it. I, I get it. And I'm not here to cape for billionaires, but I understand not wanting to make the ten year investment. Like I'm surprised. Well, I'm not really surprised because of the luxury tax, but the the, the lower year, higher money deals. I'm su- I'm somewhat surprised that they haven't happened at least a little bit more often. Like instead of signing somebody to like six years, a hundred million dollars, maybe like four years and ninety five and sets so something like that. Whereas like okay, yeah, you're on the hook for a lot of money, but you're you get out of it sooner. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. But count that money, man. Count that fucking money, man. Count the money. But apparently that was the thing. Like Cashman was willing to go do it, and Hal was like, "Nah, I, 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 I ain't paying that." Again, believe what you want to believe. A lot of information out there. A lot of it is bullshit. A lot of it is true. Depends on what you want to believe. Based on what the fuck I see, I can understand why Cashman wanted to do that shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I could totally understand because that t- that would have made the Yankees better, and that would have made the Yankees a more competitive, from a World Series perspective, kind of team in 2021. So I understand it. I get it. But apparently, if you believe... Uh, I forget who said it. It's a credible reporter. But um, he said he believes that the Yankees and Dodgers are staging... Uh, are setting the stage for a humongous bidding war over Corey Seager. And it's like, I, I don't even buy that because who the fuck wants to get into a bidding war with the Dodgers anyway? Like, the Dodgers ain't going to lose no bidding war to anybody. They don't give a fuck about who they're paying and how much they're paying them. Like, they, they, they paid Trevor Bauer a gazillion dollars to be their number three starter. They're on a different level of not give a fuck. They don't care. Like, the Yankees are nickel and diamond over the luxury tax. The Dodgers do not care. I'm not saying either one of them is right or wrong and how they operate. I, I lean to more towards the Dodgers side of things, especially given how well their organization is run as a whole. They're probably the, the most well-run organization in the sport. I lean more towards their side of things. But I'm not knocking the Yankees for not wanting to spend how they how they see it recklessly but either way I don't I don't buy that that one I don't buy like nobody wants to get into a fucking bidding war with the Dodgers come on now I I, I believe it if you said yeah they're, they're chasing Carlos Correa and they want to sign him da, 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 da. I believe that before I believe yeah they're, they're setting the stage for a bidding war with the Dodgers either way Glaber at shortstop I don't think it's going to last long we'll see how la- how long it lasts but speaking of Glaber at shortstop um, late in games, the Yankees have been doing this since last year. Now, now I, I guess they're gonna do it. They're probably gonna do it more because Jay Bruce is not even a first baseman by trade. Um, late in games, the Yankees uh they they bring in Tyler Wade and they move Lemayu to first base. Last year, I want to say that they were playing Tyler Wade at short and they were moving Glaber Torres to second. I could be wrong on that. I do not remember, but I that's how I recall it. So this year, now they're bringing in Tyler Wade to then play second, and LeMayu plays first. Which begs the question, why? Look, Jay Bruce, the first base is, is just not that valuable a defensive position. I'm not saying it's invaluable. I'm not saying it's... The, I, all I'm saying is, it, of the four, of, of the four um, infield positions, it takes the least amount of skill to play or whatever. And it's the it's it's the least important value wise, so having your best defender 
having your best infield defender play first makes no sense. And then also, to compound that, you're then having your worst infield player play shortstop. Look, Glaber's development at shortstop is important, I guess. Like, personally, I don't care about that because I've kind of turned the page on Glaber as a long-term shortstop, but the Yankees have not. They care about this stuff. So it's important to them. Now, is it important enough to potentially cost yourself a game or two behind this shit? Like, is, is it important enough? Do you just feel you're good enough where that's not going to matter? It might not, for the record. It might not. I, like, I'm. this is kind of me making a mountain out of a molehill. It's just something that bothers me from a simple logic perspective. And most of the things that bother me about the Yankees are just simple logic stuff. Because, like, I don't have a lot to complain about with the results and the roster. It's just some of the logic, like, like bothers me. And not, and not a ton. This is probably the most bothersome talking point. But I don't understand why you come out with a defensive alignment that has your best infielder playing first and your worst infielder playing short. And then people are like, well, they need to get him reps. It's like he had seven innings worth of reps before that. He got practice time. He got ground balls before the game. Like, he has a lot of time. If you're trying to win the game, having Glaber at short while your best infielder plays first ain't it. It's just not. Is it going to cost the Yankees 15 games this year? No, obviously not. Is it a huge deal? Probably not. But but I I can I, I feel pretty good saying that Glaber's defense is going to cost them at some point. And he's played second before. This that it's not new to him. I don't really understand why late in games he would not be playing second base. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But um, before I get out of here, I, I'd like to give uh, some random thoughts about the, the Nick Castellanos uh, Reds and Cardinals quote-unquote brawl <laughs> from Saturday. Um, number one, how could it be a brawl when there were no punches thrown? I hate that shit with baseball. Here's a benches-clearing brawl, bro. It's a benches-clearing get-together. Let's call it what it is. It's a benches-clearing get-together. Nobody punched each other. It's not no fucking fight. They pushed and they and they talked and they yelled and it and and hold me back, bro, hold me back. That's not a fucking brawl. Nobody put hands on each other. It's not a fight. All right, stop that. But as far as as far as the events of the, of the quote unquote fight itself, or or that led to the fight itself, uh, Nick Castellanos got hit by a pitch. I believe that shit was on purpose. Cardinals fans have been you know in and around my Twitter mentions for the last however many hours. Telling me how crazy I am. I thought that shit was on purpose. I know what I know what an intentional hit by pitch looks like. I watch Pedro Martinez pitch a lot. I know what it looks like. That's what it looked like. Oh, he has no control. Pitchers with no control can hit people on purpose too. Okay. But either way, he hit him. He got to first base. Uh, I want to say it was Mike Mustaka singled him to third. And then, of course, the pitcher throws a pass ball, which Yadier Molina, who I find to be incredibly fucking annoying with his hot head, I'm the tough guy, I'm going to talk shit and never fight act, to be incredibly, I find him so grating. But if you were just caught the ball, none of this would have fucking happened. But, you know, he missed, he, he missed an easy ball to catch. And Nick Castellanos comes home. Uh, him and the him and the, the the pitcher have like a slight collision at home plate, not like not really a collision, but 
you know, their bodies met. They made contact with each other. And Cassianos was safe. He gets up, he yells, let's fucking go in the pitcher's face. And then he walks off. Mind you, Nick Cassianos ain't fighting nobody. He ain't pushed nobody. He ain't put hands on nobody. Yadier Molina came in, escalating the situation as always. And I'm not saying that he was wrong for doing it because, oh my God, you have to defend your pitcher. You know, the one who threw at the guy on purpose to begin with. Whatever. Anyway, he had to defend his pitcher because, whatever. Um, like, okay. The Castellanos did that. He said, let's fucking go. And then they ejected him for some reason. He was the only one who got ejected. I, I, I don't understand MLB umpires. Because MLB umpires are the same ones. I don't know if y'all remember, this is random, but two years ago when um, Derek Dietrich played for the Reds and they were playing the Pirates and he took Chris Archer basically out of the stadium in Pittsburgh and he pimped the hell out of the home run. Pimped the fuck out of it, right? The, the the next time Chris Archer blame, just throws the ball behind him like he doesn't even waste time like actually hitting him he throws the ball fucking behind the guy and it's like bro we, we we I don't understand how that leads to a warning for both parties bro he threw at him that should be an ejection we all knew he threw we all know he fucking threw at him umpire's logic always always just baffles me like the worst example I think I've seen of umpire logic when it comes to ejections and not ejections was the first year A-Rod came back from his steroid suspension and oh, what was the dude's name man Ryan Ryan Dumpster um, Dempster no, he, he's Dumpster I'm gonna call him Dumpster his name is Dempster I'm gonna call him Dumpster because he's fucking trash whatever Ryan Dumpster throw, throw um, he, he he starts off A-Rod with two balls he throw he clearly throws at him on the third one okay cool 3-0 and then he hits him on the fourth one after he missed him on the third one, he then hits him on the fourth one. There's no ejection. Why? We all know he was throwing him on purpose. Like, I'll never understand umpire logic. Like, how the hell is Kostya... Like, nobody should have got ejected from that game. Nobody. Like, the guy hit the guy... I feel it, I feel it was on purpose. Castellanos feels like it might have been on purpose. Whatever. Ultimately, we ain't got no proof, and it's a one-off. Okay, cool. He hit him. All right, he got... Castellanos came back and scored and he got in his face about it as he fucking should have I think there should be more energy like that in baseball fuck that if you if you hit me on purpose and I score I get to yell at your face that's how this goes but ultimately I, I don't I don't understand what he got ejected for what for what for celebrating like what did he get ejected for like he was the one who took 93 in the ribs or in, or in the arm wherever he said the ribs so I'll, I'll, I'll take his word for it he took 93 in the ribs and it came around and scored and said, let's fucking go. What's the problem? Like, I, I just don't understand why he is the only one who got ejected. Like, if he got ejected, like, the pitcher got ejected, okay, fine, I would understand that more. But none of them should have got ejected. It's a typical play on. He yelled in his face, so what? So fucking what? Like, are we this soft about this? I, I, I don't under, I don't for the life of me I don't understand that logic but the MLB is the same one still employing Angel Hernandez and CB Buckner so this shit is just not for me to understand before I get out of here um, I implore you to listen to the middle initial podcast that's part of the Ascension podcast network that I am also a part of uh, Jude and Andrew L. Case discuss the current sports issues and other stuff 
And also the podcast that no one asked for, which is also part of the Essential Podcast Network. Jordan, Kyle, and Paulie discuss current pop culture events, among other things. And, you know, they shoot the shit with each other, and it's a fun listen. I, I strongly advise that you listen to those two podcasts, the middle, the middle Initial Podcast and the podcast that no one asked for. Well, that's it for me. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe, and I will see you when I see you. You know, you want them soft, motherfucker. What you say? I said you soft, so what? What you gonna do? What? Don't no man call me soft. I hate that, all, all right? right? Wait, let me slow you down, cause I'm a man. I called you soft, first of all. Now, I don't like you swelling all up and all. What's all this swell up shit? What's that about? What you taking in all this air for, Claude? What you feeling, huh? What's on your mind, huh? What you gonna put your chin up? Huh? That means something to me? Because I said so? Because I said soft, so what? I said I spell it. S-O-F capital T. Soft. Huh? How you like that? What you gonna do, Claude? What you gonna do, huh?